Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy uh, anniversary. Uh, we are celebrating the beginning of our third year together as a church. Uh, there have been a lot of changes since we've begun, actually. Uh, you'll see here, uh, here's a picture of day one from two years ago now. Uh, our first two services in my home, uh, and our old home even. We weren't, we're not there anymore. Uh, and there's only a few people who are not uh, in this picture. Uh, and so there's actually been a pretty good stay uh, of our little body of believers. Um, we have changed venues multiple times. This is, again, my house. And then we were at Bistro LaRue for nearly a year. And we've actually been here uh, for a year and uh, four or five months, actually. Um, third venue, uh, we have a new time that we're meeting at, 4 o'clock. Thank you again for everybody's flexibility uh, on being here. Uh, we are, we are uh, leaving at the same time, however, so our, our service is just now half an hour more of message. So, no, just kidding. All right, that big whiff and miss. All right, first joke of the year, just it did not work. Okay, yeah, um, anyway... Uh, we are now meeting at 4 o'clock. It's been an adjustment made uh, so that some of our families will have an easier time of being able to worship with us, and I'm really thankful for your flexibility. Um, we've had a lot of effort by everyone working and volunteering uh, with children's ministry, with our worship, with setup, teardown, we've taken events, and there's just been so many hours poured into making life fellowship work. And I'm just really proud of everybody and all the hard work that they have poured into this really difficult venture of starting a new church. Um, I think we knew, a lot of us knew that it was going to be difficult, uh, but I'm sure that along the way we were surprised by how much it was really going to take and how many nights would be stayed up thinking and praying about and making sure that our lessons were in place or uh, that we'd have a place to meet and such. It's just been such a wild adventure. Uh, there really are so many different ways to do church. There's been a lot of easier things that we could have done uh, instead, but with everyone being here and working hard, I think we have something that is worth celebrating. You know, something that we ask ourselves a lot in our elders' meeting. We ask this a lot of ourselves, these kind of ex existential questions. We ask, why do we exist? We ask, why does Life Fellowship Church exist? We ask that a lot uh, because of how much effort and, and how much investment and how much work everybody is putting into uh, this adventure of church. We know that it is taxing. And so our leadership is dedicated to making sure that we are invested in ways that grow God's kingdom, that uh, perpetuate the mission that has been given to us because we feel in our leadership that if we aren't able to answer yes to those kinds of questions, then we really ought to just wrap it up. We really should just release everyone and make it easier and just go out on your separate ways. But there's something really important about our mission, the reason that God has put us all together and brought together this unique combination of people and we've come up with this specific mission statement, and it's this, enjoying and sharing God's love to draw others to his fellowship. This statement, this strategy that's, that's in it, it's a unique quality that makes Life Fellowship Church what it is. Our mission statement looks different 
than many, many churches around us. It's our strategy to allow intentional love that we have for one another towards others to represent the genuinely compelling Jesus Christ. Life Fellowship Church is built on walking the walk. That's everything that we're built on. We're not about looking good. We're not about sounding good. We're not even about feeling good. But that as a fellowship that puts each other's needs above our own, that we would display Christ in a tangible, visceral, and very apparent way. And that this would call out to the people around us, the people who have need, the people who are looking to be loved, the people who want to belong somewhere. It takes a lot of effort to create this. It takes a lot of effort, letting our guard down and getting to know people, rearranging our personal schedules, opening our homes, and meeting strangers who are looking for a place to belong. Those aren't easy, easy things. In fact, I feel that people who are willing to do those things are becoming fewer and fewer in the world. You know, the other day, uh, I have recently took up one of those uh, uh, resolutions that Jaron was talking about. Uh, Matt Anderson, myself, and possibly Tony Martin, we were talking about going to the gym together. And I was at the other gym, and we had a trainer our very first time, and it stunk because he worked us beyond my ability, and I was very uncomfortable. And <laughs> we were working hard, and as a faulty human, uh, I'm thinking to myself, in between my gasped breath, is this worth it? <laughs> why, do we, why do I put myself through this? Why am I putting myself through this pain? Why is it even worth it? And whenever there is a lot of effort required, even if it's little church like ours, as a church we might be asking the same kinds of questions. Is it worth it? Why do we plant a new church? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Today, as we're looking into our junior year, our third year as a church, I'd like to give you a couple of things. I'd like to give you encouragement, but I'd also like to give you bearing, a calling to patience and endurance as we start off in this third year. Now, there's a passage, a parable uh, of Jesus's that I turn, personally, I turn to often. When I, who, believe it or not, I'm also vulnerable to these kinds of existential questions like, why do we exist? Why are we doing this? There's this parable of Jesus that I turn to when I need encouragement. So if you have scripture with you, we're going to have it on the screen up here, uh, of course. Uh, but if you want to turn to it, it's a familiar passage. It's out of Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. In this passage, we find a parable that we're familiar with. And it's actually in a series of three parables, and it's the middle parable that Jesus uses to illustrate, in all three of them, he uses them to illustrate uh, a kind of mentality, a kind of action that we should be committed to after his departure and as the end times start to creep in. So Jesus is giving us a lesson on how we ought to act, how we ought to conduct ourselves when he is gone. And in the middle of the three parables, Jesus speaks to the parable of the talents. Probably know this one, but in our NIV in today's reading, it'll refer to talents as a bag of gold, so something that's treasured. So I'll start in verse 14. We'll just take it a couple of verses 
uh, at a time. Matthew chapter 25, we'll look at 14 and 15 to start. And again, this is the middle parable uh, of three. Jesus says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Jesus here in the beginning of this parable is speaking in the first person, and he's speaking about his soon departure that he's going to leave. His servants, who you, me, in this parable, they're the ones that we ought to identify with, his servants, and they're each given a bag of gold, given some blessing, and also responsibility. He gives them a bag of gold, and then he leaves. In verse 16, we'll continue. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. The man, let's see. Did I? So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now here we see the varying degrees of ability at work. Because why would they be given these different amounts? Five, two, uh, and one. Each correlating to the amount, uh, that they, uh, amount of ability that they had. So uh, the master was able to see that this guy has a lot of ability. We'll give him five, two, and one. And just as the master suspected, they went out and worked according to their ability. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. These guys, the five bags of gold, the two bags of gold, these guys, they invested the blessing. They invested what was entrusted to them. They were wise with what God had given them. And for their faithfulness, they share in their master's happiness and are even put in charge of, quote, more things. They're put in charge of even more. Unfortunately, for the man who simply buried it, the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. That being said, he's expect, this means that this is a master who expects a return, not out of his own work, but out of the work of his servant. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, and these are a heavy charge, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, 
you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. I like the utility, like the, 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 the daily wisdom. Of like, well, you should have at least put it in a savings account, right? A little bit of interest. You know, I'm afraid. I don't know about you. When I read words like that, where Jesus, you wicked, you lazy servant, I don't know about you, but I get scared for myself. I'm afraid that oh, I, I would never want to be charged as a wicked and lazy servant myself. And so I pay attention to this third guy because I don't want to be that third guy, a man who takes blessing, who takes his master's blessing and simply buries it, tucks it away, hides it away from the world. I tend to want to empathize with this man, try to understand where he's coming from. You know, maybe he's not a gambling man, right? Maybe he's not a guy who's good with stocks, who knows how to invest this. Maybe he's a guy who would blow it on blockbuster of stocks or something, right? And lose his master's money. But the, black, the, but the master blames him for not even putting it in the bank where it would collect interest. He's mad at this guy for doing nothing with what he was given. Now, I think that the master's reaction, you wicked, you lazy servant, you should have at least put it into account, a bank account to get some interest. I think that this highlights the mistake of this man, this mistake of the servant given this one bag is fear. It says, I was afraid, right? In the passage, I was afraid. Too afraid, too frozen to do anything worthwhile with the blessing that's been given to him. This, to me, might be the most egregious charge that might be found against our church against Life Fellowship Church, that we will be, have taken the blessing that God has given us, talent, investment, time, energy, effort, a lot, I've seen a lot of it, and I'm scared someday that we might be charged and saying that we simply buried it, that we took what God gave us and we buried it, to take the friendship, the joy that we have found in one, uh, in one another, and to either one of two things, one, be so satisfied with our own fellowship, I've got enough friends, I've got enough connections, right, that we would be so happy already that we don't need to go out there. Or why do we need to stretch ourselves thin trying to gather new friends who are looking for belonging? I'm good with our tiny fellowship. I don't, I'm afraid of being found that, or I'm also afraid of being so frozen in fear that we wouldn't use this blessing to invest in others who are not yet part of the church. I don't want us to be afraid of making new friends, too afraid of sharing the love that God has given us to enjoy already, too scared to reach out to people who are looking for belonging, too scared to put ourselves out there, too scared to put our faith out there, too scared to be identified as a Christian who's looking to love other people. I don't want to be that wicked and lazy servant. Life Fellowship Church will not be that wicked and lazy servant. In the master's disappointment, continue on in verse 28. So take the bag of gold from him, the one bag. He only ever had the one bag. God says, take that bag from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. 
Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now again, this parable is in the middle of three parables, all having to do with salvation, with being saved, uh, with reconciliation with God, certainly. This parable, you might be a stretch, you might be reaching, saying that it, it might not necessarily be about church outreach. But I personally see a wisdom that serves us, a church, as accountability in an individual and church responsibility. I think there is wisdom to be lifted for our individual responsibilities and our responsibility as a church. Those who are responsible with what they are given will be given more. This is an important truth. This is an important truth for how we ought to conduct ourselves in these end times and around the people who are looking for love and belonging and want to know who Jesus is. Those who are responsible with what they are given, they will be given more. Interestingly enough, this is a pretty conventional wisdom. Not necessarily strictly spiritual or a religious truth. Take, for example, a child. If they can't take care of the things, of their things, why should you continue to give them nicer or more valuable things? Right? For example, if I gave Carter a goldfish, which we did this week, if I give Carter a goldfish and he is not able to take care of it and instead he ignores it, forgets to feed it, forgets to clean its tank, do you think I'm going to get Carter a hamster? Do you think I'm going to get him a puppy? No, of course not. If he cannot be trusted with a little, how could I possibly trust him with any more? The same goes for our small church. We have been entrusted with, believe it or not, 20 or so adults. There are between 20 and 25 adults within the atmosphere of Life Fellowship Church. Not always in the same room, but 20 to 25 adults. We've also been entrusted with 20 or so little ones, little kids. And if we aren't committed to taking care of one another, putting each other ahead of ourselves... If we aren't committed to our homegrown mission of enjoying and sharing God's love to draw others to his fellowship, why, why should our church be entrusted with any more? If we can't take care of one another, if we can't be committed to one another, we, we certainly should not expect new faces, new people to pop up within our atmosphere to show love, to show care, to show friendship too. We shouldn't expect that. If we can't take care of our flock as is, ministry, worship, discipleship, prayer, service to one another, and I'm not talking about me doing it for our 20 people. I'm not talking about Reggie Kamarsi's responsibility. If we can't do it for one another, we should not expect growth. Make sense? It's a pretty conventional wisdom, right? Now, of course, numerical growth is not Life Fellowship's singular goal. But physical growth is simply a measuring stick of how well we carry out the mission, the LF mission. In this parable, I'd like you to consider, Life Fellowship Church is a two-talent church. I want to call us a two-bag-of-gold church. We've been blessed with ability. We've been blessed with talent. We've been blessed with 
experience. We've been blessed with the all-important grit, even. If we had any less than the people who made up our church two years ago, we simply would not even be able to move forward. We could not exist without this special combination of people, of our churchgoers. In that time, in these two years, there has been a lot of investment. There has been a lot of investing. We've met new people. We have literally taken money and time and effort to invest in the kingdom around us. Slowly, but the investment is growing. It can take a long time, and growth might not look the way that we expect it, but I can confidently say that life fellowship has led to the growth of God's kingdom. I can confidently say that. But growth for growth's sake is not our goal. There is a responsibility that we as believers, collectively and individually, there is a responsibility that we have as a church that our maker has put before us. In the parable, it says there, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Jesus says that in his parable. I think this denotes that you, me, we, the church, we have a responsibility to God to serve as his representative as seekers of the lost. We have a responsibility. It's not something we do for fun. It's not something that we do just because we want to add people and make our sanctuary feel more full. No, Jesus is saying it right here in his parable. We have a responsibility. We are answerable to a mission that God has set before us. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. That means you are the one scattering the seed. You are the one finding investment opportunity. That's our responsibility. Now, how does LF do this? How do we do this? How does our leadership expect you to play a role in the mission? Well, that's described in our statement. That's described in our mission statement. Take care of one another. Love one another. There, in that love, and in that genuine care for one another, there will be joy. Joy that results in love. And a love that spills over. Spills over to people around us who sees that love and then they desire it for themselves. They see, I want that. Come on, how many times have you seen that story? This ain't some made up goal. This ain't a line that I'm sticking in the message. We have seen this story where people have seen our friendship who've seen our connection, who've seen how dedicated we are to one another and want a part of it. And then we get to take that joy and say, you know why? Because of Jesus. I wouldn't put up with you guys if it weren't for Jesus. We get to take that love and care and that genuine, that genuine love and care for one another and use it to display God's love for other people. That's how we expect the LF mission to grow. That's how we expect God to call people to himself. And hopefully if we show enough love, if they show that there is genuine enough a care, if they see that love and desire it for themselves, we hope that they'll desire it enough so that they just might suspend for a moment their ill feelings towards faith their ill feelings towards religion, and even Christ, hopefully long enough to give church a shot 
or more likely a second shot, or a third shot, or a fourth shot. Most people we know have had some experience with church. Unfortunately, it's been bad experience of a church. And through that love, through the genuine care that we have for one another, hopefully we can dispel those bad experiences and replace it with good experiences. We're like people, oh, I know about Christians, but man, you guys, something different about you. Why are you so kind, happy, loving? Why do you guys so dedicated? Why do you guys do life together? How can, how can you spend so much time with one another? You guys don't look like a church, not a church as I know it, not a church that I go to on Sunday and just worship real loud, or a church that makes me feel guilty about the sins in my life. That's how we expect LF Mission to carry out the, the, this responsibility given to us. I think we have a fine example. Just last night, the lanes were over, right? And uh, Alyssa had met uh, a co-worker's son um, who was looking for some connection, and so we had him over, and we had some dinner, and we just connected, got to know him, played a game or two, and our plan is to continue to grow that friendship. That's it. <laughs> That's the mission. And eventually, he would see that care, and eventually, we'd be able to say, well, the reason that we were able to do this for one another is because of Jesus. That's it. That's the model. Not that sophisticated, not that difficult. It could be scary if you had to do it alone. I, I do promise you that. If I expected you to just go to the coffee shop, meet a guy, and say, hey, why don't you come over and we'll hang out? That's awkward. Yeah, I totally get that. But in that moment, in our example, guess what? We did it together. And it wasn't nearly as intimidating as just getting to meet a stranger and connecting with a person. That's the hope in this mission. That's what makes this responsibility different than how other churches might lay it before you. We rely on doing it together. That's what makes LF special, unique, and different. That's why our church exists. Because our growth depends on our connection, our deliberate love for one another. Jesus himself our example, our Savior, he displayed deep patience, deep humility, and even went so far as becoming a human being, being planted in this world to show us his love. That is a steep cost, a steep cost to show his friendship to us. Very hard for a single person to do, but he is God after all. But together, as a church, we might be able to display that wholeness, that same love of Jesus. So my encouragement to you, the bearing and responsibility that I hope that you will walk away from uh, today as we look into our third year is this. I'm asking that we would all participate in the simple LF mission of loving one another and looking for others around us, not within the walls only, but looking outwards to the people out there who also need love. I promise, I promise and guarantee that if we are dedicated to this, there will be more. Because why wouldn't God bless a congregation who is actively seeking to display Jesus' love to others? That is a definite that is a definite. I love how in this parable, there's no fear in the master knowing that there will be a return on investment. 
That is a non-existent financial guarantee. Who knows anything about a guaranteed ROI? Does that, is that, does that exist in real life? No, not 100% guaranteed ROI, return on investment. That doesn't exist. But when it comes to displaying Jesus' love to other people, that is a guaranteed return. The master totally knows. I don't care if he had put it in this, this, or whatever. It's going to grow. And the way that we are dedicated to this mission of loving one another and finding other people to love, that's going to grow. No way it can't, because that's how God operates. So as we look into the third year, please consider this. Look at how in your life you can participate more so in the mission of loving the people in here, connecting with the people in here, weaving the people in here more so into your life, because out of that joy, more people will come and be a part, and we'll get to display Jesus' love even more so. So please consider that. I'll offer a word of prayer, uh, and then we will get to grubbing. Heavenly Father, I'm really thankful uh, for the challenge that you've put before this congregation. Two years ago and some months before, a uh, challenge was laid before us to form a church centered on the love of your son Jesus, a love that we personally experience. And Lord, this winding, loopy, <laughs> adventurous road uh, has proven necessary endurance <laughs> and patience uh, and a lot of energy and effort, Father. But I pray that as we look into the future, that you'd continue to see a spirit of grit, uh, of an ability to work hard, even if the return on investment is cloudy or hard to see. I pray, Lord, that you'd increase even more so a spirit of faithfulness in us each. Faithfulness in the mission, faithfulness in the mission of your son Jesus' love, being seen by others in the love that we have for one another. So God, please continue to stitch us even more so together. Help us, Father, to more resemble the love of your son Jesus every day so that people would be turning to you and finding your glory, and finding your love through us. Thank you for this awesome and scary responsibility. Lord, it's you that we praise, and you alone are deserving uh, of song and worship uh, and lifted hands. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.